0: Glad to to be in the Lord's house today and I'm glad that you're here with me. We're going to open our Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I'm in a little sermon series. In fact, this is the last sermon in my series of the Church God Blesses. Uh, We've been looking at this uh, early church, the first church, and how God has blessed them. And uh, I want the same blessing on our church. So uh, we're going to look at this and study it and, and just get in line and let God bless us as well. Uh, Our reading begins in verse 41. Uh, In chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came, the church was birthed, and then Peter preached this awesome message that takes up the bulk of the chapter. Uh, Verse 40 tells us, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved, Right, get saved from this perverse generation. And then verse 41 tells us, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Okay, Ronnie Fox was in the first service. Ronnie's my amener. I need two or three of you to kind of fill in the gap. 3,000 souls were saved. Okay, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading and now the preaching of your word. Stir our hearts. Help us to be on fire for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I'll tell you, I want our church, I want Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church to stay alive and vibrant And living for generations to come. The fact is every year in America there are over 4,000 churches that close their door. And those who study this tell us that 80% of Protestant churches in America today are either stagnated or in decline. That's sad news. It makes me ask the question, what is it that causes a church to die? And if, if you study this and, and look at churches that have closed their doors and have died, that there, there are always certain things that arise and many of them are in correlation with each other. For example, churches that die are usually churches that kind of turn in on themselves. They stop reaching the community and sharing the good news and all that they are concerned with are themselves and having their needs met. They want to be paid. They are usually a church that's living in the past. They talk about the good old days or when brother so-and-so was there. Eh? They are are churches that don't give. They don't give to missions because they're spending all of their money on themselves. These are all the little factors that, that amount to a church closing their doors. But the bottom line is this. Every church that dies has stopped doing the things that God created the church to do. That's the bottom line right there. And that makes me ask the question, well, what keeps a church alive and vibrant? And I'll tell you, it is the blessing of God. It's because God is blessing that church. The the windows of heaven have, have been opened and God is just pouring out a blessing on that church. When God blesses a church, it continues to thrive. Lives are changed. People are made whole. Families are put back together all kinds of miracles happen in that church. People's lives are dramatically changed when a church is being blessed by God. Woo! I think about this a lot because as your pastor, I don't want to be a part of a dead church. And I don't think you do either. God has blessed Kavanaugh Church in some amazing ways. But my greatest fear as your pastor is that we would lose that blessing On this church Because you see when a church is blessed It blesses the families And the individuals Of the church You are being blessed today Because God is blessing this church Woo! Amen So how do we keep God's blessings? Well to keep God's blessings We just have to continue Doing the things that God Has told the church to do We just keep doing those things he told this church in Acts chapter 2 to do. In Acts chapter 2, we find the eight things that God says you must do if you want God's blessing on your life. These eight things you must do if you want God's blessing on your family. And these eight things we must do if we want God's blessing on our church. I talked about the first two of the first week. Last week, we looked at numbers 3, 4, and 5. Today, we're going to look at 6, 7, and 8 of the DNA of the church God blesses. I hate to do this to you, but I've got to review. Now, usually when we, when we review, you, you zone out. You turn me off, all right? Don't turn me off because I'm going to say some new things today as I quickly review these first five DNA of the church. If we want God's blessing on our church, we must, number one pray for God's power and church wake up and listen to me as I tell you this is where it all begins if we are to be alive and vibrant and making a difference in our world it is because we have the power of God and the only way we can have the power of God is by asking God and praying and as Miss Angie said waiting on God this is an amazing story in Acts chapter 2 Uh, It was the day of Pentecost. Fifty days before this, Jesus had risen from the dead. He had spent time with the the apostles and the disciples. And then he told them, I'm going to go back to heaven. And I want you to go to an upper room. And I want you to wait in that upper room until I send my Holy Spirit. There was about 120 of these followers of Christ. And they obeyed him. They went to the upper room because Jesus told them, Don't go out and try to do anything without the Holy Spirit. Because if you do, you're going to fall flat on your face. You cannot accomplish the work I am calling you to do in the world and in my kingdom unless you have my power. So you go to that upper room and you just wait... For me to send the Holy Spirit. So they did. Ten days. Jason, I can't really imagine being with with 119 other people for ten days in a room. And and the deal is, they weren't doing anything but praying and waiting. Praying and waiting. And finally, on the day of Pentecost, ten days after they started, boom! (laughs) It happened. God sent His Holy Spirit and He gave birth to His church. There are three signs of this or three manifestations that happened when this occurred. When God sent the Holy Spirit, there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. That represented the power of God. It was there. It was there. Then there were little flames of fire over each one of the 120 apostles. That was the manifestation of God's Holy Spirit talking about the fire that they are to have and the warmth that this church would have. And hang on to that because the opposite of being on fire is being cold, all right? But they had it. They were on fire. This was a church that was excited because the Holy Spirit was with them. And then the final thing that happened is all 120 of these disciples started speaking in a language that they had never learned before. Now, have, have you ever learned a foreign language I know Zane's in Spanish right now, and he's he's, he's trying to speak uh, Spanish to us, and I don't understand anything he's saying. I don't think I think he's making part of it up. I think, that's really what I think he's doing, you know. But but I I have studied foreign languages, and they're tough, man. I don't I can't even talk English, <laughs> you know, and you know that. But anyway, it 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 is difficult to learn a foreign language. But that day they were speaking. They were Jews that spoke Greek and Hebrew, but they were speaking. In Swahili or French or whatever it was. They were speaking a language they had never learned, but they were sharing the gospel as they spoke. Wow. I mean, we must have the power of God, we need the fire of God, and we need to speak the language of the people so that they can hear the good news. And the only way that's going to happen in a church is when we pray. So you know what? I'm going to stop right here and we're going to do that. Let's pray. Bow your heads. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we we want to pause right in the middle of this message and and we want to pray, Lord. And ask, dear Jesus, that, that that you would bless us with your Holy Spirit. I pray, dear God, that we would have your power in our lives and in this church. I pray, dear Lord, that we would get on fire for you and we would be excited about Jesus and the good news so that we go out and speak the language of the people and and tell other people in in terms and expressions that they can understand that Jesus loves them and cares for them. Lord, I love this church and I love these people. I pray, dear Lord, that, that we would not grow stagnant, that we would not be in decline, that we would be alive and vibrant and living through the power and the warmth of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, as you bless that first church, would you bless this church today? Lord, let us feel your presence with us. I pray that you would anoint me with the Holy Spirit and let me speak the words that give life. For we ask it in Jesus' name, and all the people said, Amen. If you want God's blessing and His power, you got to pray. Number two, the way you receive the blessings of God is you use everybody's language. God wants us to speak the language of the people around us. The, the, it's amazing. These people were speaking languages that they did not know, sharing the good news of the gospel. When we talked about this two weeks ago, I told you, you probably know more languages than you think you know. Huh? For example, uh, Cowpoke, Keenan, raise your hand back there, Keenan. He and I were in Oklahoma City the uh, last couple of days at a big cowboy shoot. It was a regional shoot. I don't know, 350 cowboys were there shooting. Cowpoke and I, we were we were talking cowboy lingo. Over the weekend. Cowboy lingo. But we were doing it in a way to, to share the good news of the gospel with the people we were shooting with. And I, the people in our posse, they knew that Cowpoke was a Christian and they knew I was a preacher. All right? and, uh, and And they knew that because of the talk we talked. We were talking cowboy lingo, but we were putting in the good news of the gospel as well. And you know what? Before the day was over with, I had people from Kansas and Texas coming and sharing prayer requests with me and asking me to pray for them. And they were telling me that if they ever come to Fort Smith, they're going to come to our church. And man, it was exciting. But you know what? We were talking their language as we shared the good news of the gospel with them. Number three, if you want the blessings of God... You have to employ every member's talents, gifts, and abilities. That's the third DNA of the church. It's exciting to me that everybody that was in that upper room got involved in the work of the ministry. All 120 of them. There was 100% participation. Everybody was doing it. Not just a few, everybody. The statistics uh, when I was going to college and seminary was 80% of the work in the church is done by 20% of the people. In a church that is stagnant or declining, it's 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people. That's one of the problems. Nobody is using their gifts and talents and abilities to do the work of the ministry. But a church that is alive and vibrant and making a difference in the kingdom of God, everyone is involved. Nobody's sitting on the sidelines, they're in the arena. The Bible says here that God is going to bless sons and daughters, old and young, men and women. All. That's everybody. And I gave you the mandate last week. You can't sit on the sidelines any longer. You've got to get involved. Use your gifts, talents, and abilities for the work of the ministry. Number four, the fourth DNA. If we want God's blessings, we must be devoted to God's Word. And that's what this passage says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They did what James talked about. They were doers of the word. They not only studied the word of God, they went out and fleshed it out. They lived the word of God. And then number five, if we want God's blessings, we must love each other deeply. Last week I said that growing churches love and loving churches grow. That's just the way it is. These early believers loved one another deeply. In fact, there is a a Greek word that was invented to describe the kind of love that they had one for another. It's the word koinonia. And koinonia means this. I have received a special love from God. It's the love of Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus loved me so much that he hung on a cross and died for my sins. That is the deepest kind of love a person can have. It's the love of God. And as I receive that love, I then share it with other believers in the church. I love you with the same love that Jesus has loved me with. That's the love they had for one another. It's koinonia. They had each other's backs. They didn't badmouth each other or gossip about each other. They defended one another and loved one another. And they lived life together. It goes beyond just putting up with each other. It's genuine love for each other. God blesses a church where the people love one another. Amen? That brings me to where we began today, number six. So wake up. all right. Here's the next three. Number six, if we want God's blessings, we must worship with joy. Everybody say joy. 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 Not talking about that one. We're talking about God. We worship with joy. In fact, in verse 47, it talks about these people praising God. They not only did that in their worship service and in the temple, they did it everywhere they went. They lived with the J factor, the joy factor. They were praising God all the time. God wants, listen to me church, God wants our worship to be a festival, not a funeral. God wants us to come in here and celebrate, not sleep. The problem is, and and I, I never talk bad about churches or preachers. I don't do that. I don't talk bad about other churches. I don't talk bad about preachers because I realize that half of you are gonna go home today and have roast preacher. Yeah. Okay? So I just don't talk about other preachers. But here's the deal. The problem is is some churches die because honestly they they've just grown cold. And I don't know, maybe you've been in a church like that before. It's cold. The the warmth is gone. Where does the warmth come from? The warmth came from God when the people prayed. The the fire was there. The excitement was there. But but a church that is stagnated or declining, that warmth is gone. They're cold. They, They don't celebrate anymore. Why? Because they've just sat for too long and soaked it up too long. And they have turned sour. They don't worship with joy. No, if they do worship, it's out of duty. Let's hurry up and get that cotton-picking music over with so we can go home. Hmm? Maybe you've been in these cold churches before. They're so cold, the ushers have to use ice skates up and down the aisle to take up the offering. Y'all got to do better than that. First service, they were laughing at that, man. It's the first church of the frigid air, huh? I've been in some churches where I've had to look down the center aisle to make sure there's not a coffin in front, that nobody's died. But let me tell you, something has died. The people have died. I have a preacher friend who told me about a, a lady he knows who uh, went out of town over a weekend and and uh, she was not in her home church, so she visited this large, well-known church. She, she found that it was a little more formal than the church that she usually attended. But she found an empty spot and joined in worshiping. At one point, she said out loud, praise the Lord. She got excited. She said, that's right. That's good. Amen. About this time, an usher came up and said, ma'am, you're, you're going to have to be quiet. She said, well, I'm just so full of the joy of the Lord. He said, you may well be, but you didn't get it here. Oh, wow. Hmm. wow, man. You know, I've wondered, and I think about this a lot. What, what kind of worship attracts people? Well, let me tell you. It's joyful worship. It's celebration worship. Verse 47 says, they were praising God... And as they praised God, people took notice. They had the favor of all the people because they were were praising God. And I'll be honest with you. I believe, listen to me, I believe it ought to be fun to come to church. (laughs) I believe you ought to want to come to church. You know, after Sunday's over with you, you have a countdown on your calendar to the next time you get to come to church. It's a celebration. And why wouldn't it be? My lambs, Jesus is alive. My sins are forgiven. And I'm going to heaven. Woo! Let's, let's party, man. And that, that, is, that is good news. Woo, man. And you need that good news. You know why? There is so much bad news in the world. There is so much bad news. The last thing you need is to come to church and get some more bad news. Now understand, I'm saying that because this is the good news. This is the good news compared to all of the bad news. All week long, you get the joy kicked out of you. (laughs) Sometimes I see you come in here on Sundays and, and you look almost like Rocky Balboa. You remind me of Rocky when he, when he went toe-to-toe with Apollo Creed. And, and he, was, he was just getting whooped up. You, you, you come in here and you look beat up. You come to church on a weekend and you're emotionally drained. You're physically zapped. You're spiritually drained. And I tell the guys in the prayer meeting, guys, we need to really pray and, and get out some spiritual jumper cables to recharge these people. Some of you need it right now. That zapper. Let me tell you. Worship, though, will only recharge you if you participate. If you just stand there and you don't sing the song, you don't get involved, what you're doing is pushing down your emotions. And that's not going to help you one bit. You were made by God to express your emotions. You are emotional because God made you emotional. And if you don't learn how to express your emotions, it's kind of like shaking up a Coke bottle. Okay, It's going to pop someday. And here you are in God's house, and you're worried about what other people are going to think if you sing or you express your emotion. What do you care about what other people think? You're not here to worship them. (laughs) You're here to worship God. Church is meant to renew your emotions on a weekly basis to give you an emotional uplift. And that's not going to happen unless you participate and unless you worship. I told the first service about uh, W.A. Criswell. He pastored First Baptist Dallas years ago. He, He turned that church into a mega church, pastored it for over 50 years. But he didn't start out at First Baptist Dallas. He started out in a little country church. And I heard him preach one time at a conference, and he was telling about his early days in ministry in that country church. And he said there would be times in worship services when all of a sudden a person would just just stand up and they would just start weeping, tears weeping. They were wailing out to God. He said, funny thing, nothing sad happened in the service. Nobody said anything sad. We weren't singing sad songs. These people just stood up and they were crying. He said what they were doing, they were venting their emotions and being healed by God. And he said at other times people in that church would just stand up and they would start laughing out loud. And he said nothing funny happened. Nothing funny was said. They were venting their emotions. They were being healed spiritually. He said nowadays people go other places to vent their emotions. They go to the theater or to a movie or to a sporting event. But people need to vent emotions in a church, he said, because that's what church is for. You need to be healed. Hmm. Really shouldn't, I, shouldn't ask you this. I was going to ask you, how many of y'all have ever been to a rock concert? Oh, you're raising. They wouldn't raise their hands in the first service, right? You know. Yeah, di- different, different, different. Age. I, I will. I hate that. I shouldn't even say it. But when I was. When I was when I was a teenager I slipped out and went to a couple of rock concerts. I actually went to uh, I went to a concert with my, my preacher's son. <laughs> the preacher's son and the deacon's son went to see the Doobie brothers. Oh Lord have mercy. Let me just repent right here. Lord Lord Jesus, I know I shouldn't have been there. Lord, it was bad. Oh my lens. Well wow. Yeah. If you, if you, yeah, yeah, they did sing about Jesus, didn't they? Jesus, Jesus is just all right. Yeah, oh boy. Oh man, I feel bad now. Huh. Took a Debbie Downer right there. Wow. Hey, but, you know, here's my point. Even if you haven't been to a rock concert, you've seen pictures of them in, in a concert, rock, country concert. Back in the day in the 70s, when I'm talking about, everybody pull out a little Zippo lighter, big lighter, and light that flat. You remember that? See the, have you seen pictures of that? I'm not going to ask you if you've been there or done it. Have you seen pictures of it? You know, Everybody's got a Zippo out, and they're, they're waving back and forth. They're doing this number. Can I, can I tell you what's going on there? Here, they don't do that anymore. They, they don't use light. They use cell phones now, don't they? It's not that I've been there or no. I've just seen it on TV, all right? You know what's going on there? It, it is natural for humans to worship. God wired us that way. God wired us to worship Him. And if you don't know God and you don't worship God, you will find something or someone to worship. And that's what they're doing. They're worshiping. They're worshiping the wrong thing. It may be a rock band, but they're worshiping. Why? Because God wired us that way. So you need to get over your inhibitions and express your emotions in worship so you can be recharged by God. I've climbed out on a limb this morning saying what I've said. Now I'm going to cut the limb off, all right? I see some of you guys. I see you in here. Sometimes you get moved by a song, and, and you, you want to put your hand up in the air and worship, but you just can't do it, man. You're like me. You were raised at the West Side Free Will Baptist Church. Well, we didn't do that. We didn't say amen. We didn't lift our hands. We didn't celebrate. We didn't worship. That's what those other people did. And let me tell you, it is, it, is, it is still, let me tell you, it was so ingrained in me, it is still difficult for me to worship and to praise God like I know He wants me to. How You tell me, how come I can get excited at anything that I want to get excited about except church? I can go to a football game, and I do. I go to two football games a week now, Monday night and Friday night. And I can see these Greenwood guys score a touchdown or my boy catch a pass. And I tell you what, I'm jumping up and I'm hollering. Wes is always sitting either beside me or down from me, and we're high-fiving each other. Man, We're rocking those bleachers, man. You can be on a golf course and your buddy sinks an 18-foot putt and everybody starts yelling and screaming. Somebody gets a three-pointer. Well, let me tell you, if I go to a ball game and I go, woo I'm a fan. But if I come into God's house and I go, woo I'm a fanatic. You're telling me I can get excited about anything in life except God? Well, that's a bunch of nonsense. It's just nonsense, and and you need to learn how to get excited about your worship to God. Worship is meant to be a celebration. It's praise. Here it says in, in verse 46 and 47, they continued to worship together in the temple courts. They were praising God. The word praise literally means joy. They had joy in their heart toward God, and they enjoyed the favor of all the people. Well, how do you do that? Well, if you go back up into Peter's sermon in verse 28, it says, You have made known to me the path of life, and your presence fills me with joy. God, you're the reason I have joy in my life. You've given me that J factor, that that joy. Worship means that we praise God. Worship is joyful, it's not a duty. Verse 26, he said, because of this, my heart will be glad, my words will be joyful, and I will live in hope. Church, there are two reasons why you need to worship God joyfully. First of all, it's good for your own emotional health. You need an emotional release every week. You need to come in here and as W.A. Criswell would say, you need to be healed by God. You need to vent your emotions to God. And secondly, you need to do it because it is a witness to unsaved people. I mean, that's what this is all about. They were Through their worship and their praising God, it was was a witness to unsaved people. And church, I'll tell you, there are two reasons why people who don't know Jesus reject Him. There are two reasons why lost people don't come to Christ. Number one, they've never met a Christian. And number two... They have. Whoa. And they're thinking, man, if, 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 if it means being as cranky as that guy, I don't want it. Woo. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're about to like this because I, I want to share a quote with you I read this past week. This one preacher said, Some people are poor witnesses for Jesus because it's like they're spiritually constipated. He said they're all bound up on the inside. He said they're cranky and judgmental and legalistic. I tell you what, I don't want to be a Christian like that. And they're thinking if that's what it means to follow Jesus, no thank you. Church, we've got to get the J factor back in our life. We need the joy factor back in our hearts. So you know what? We're going to work real hard at that. And when this praise band gets up here and leads us in worship, we're not just going to... We're going to sing. We're going to praise God. We're going to worship Him because this is a celebration. Jesus is alive. My sins are forgiven. And I'm going to heaven. Woo! Man. Can, can you Is this a free will Baptist church? I need to. Yes, we are free will Baptist. But you know what? We believe that Jesus is alive. That our sins are forgiven. And that we are going to heaven. And that is cause for celebration, church. God blesses a church that worships with joy. Number seven, I'm hurrying up. If I want God's blessings, I must be willing to sacrifice. The first church was famous for its generosity. And I can tell you that Kavanaugh Church is famous for its generosity as well. I don't really even need to cover this, but I do want to say a a couple of things about it. I can say this without fear of contradiction. This church, our church, your church that you're a part of, is one of the most generous churches in the River Valley and in all of the free will baptist denomination. Hmm? I can say that without contradiction. We are the top give, if not the top giving church, we are the we're at least number 2 and I think we're number 1 in giving to the cooperative program in all of the free will baptist churches in the world. This church gives more money to support the cause of our denomination in schools and missions whether home and foreign in getting the gospel out than any other church. You are the number 1 giving church To support the work of God in our denomination. That is amazing. Okay, That is amazing. But but not only that. We are a very generous church in our community. Hmm? And the New Testament church was known for that. In verses 44 and 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions. And they gave to anyone who had need. Wow. that, That blows my mind. They didn't just give of their money they gave of their money their time they sold their land and possessions to make sure everybody was taken care of that was a giving group of people again I you know we i think that's pretty descriptive of this church we see a need and we do everything we can to meet that need just a couple of things to, to get you thinking not only to compliment you for, but to get you thinking about how you can participate more and be involved. Uh, a, a new thing you're hearing about is Maggie House. Maggie House. It's it's a foster care place for children in the River Valley who don't have a family, don't have a home. These are kids who have either been abandoned or taken out of their home. We, Miss Camilla, you can affirm this. We we are in a crisis mode in Sebastian County and in this region. There are more foster kids than we have places to put them. It's of epidemic proportion. We have higher numbers of of kids in this area than any other place in the United States. That is an indictment on our community, number one, but it's a real problem. And so our Free Will Baptist agencies, the Children's Home in Tennessee, knew the need that we have here. They took over an uh, abandoned nursing home in Charleston, Arkansas, just right down the road, and have renovated it. And can I tell you, there are people in our church that you don't, you don't even know this. You don't even know what we've done. But there are individuals in our church who have either given money or labor to get that thing started and to progress it to the point that it is. They've, they've, they've done work on that building. They've, they've given materials that, that needed to be supplied. People from our church did that on their own when they heard about it, all right? Brother Johnny has a burden for this, and, and so he's asked that we take on this project as our missions trip this summer. And so we're not going to f- travel very far, just down the road to Charleston, Arkansas. But it begins, it's beginning right now with the sale of our turkeys that we sell during Thanksgiving for our mission trip. We are taking that money, and we are buying the furniture for all of the living rooms in Maggie's house. You see a need, you meet the need. That's what we do. Here in just a few weeks, we're going to have Adopt a Family. Adopt a Family started off really small. It was, I think, it was Johnny and and uh, Vaughn. I think they they had a they had a burden to go help some uh, needy families, and so they, they went and bought some gifts and took it to a an apartment complex and found some poor kids and they gave them Christmas. That's that's where Adopt a Family started. It's kind of grown through the years. Uh, First, first Monday night, I think it is, of December, I don't know, the, I think it's on the 7th, we're going to have adopt a family here. We're, we're going to be inviting 210 families from our community, and here's how they do it. Johnny goes through the, the schools and talks to the counselors and finds the poorest of the poor families, families, That would not have Christmas unless somebody intervened and gave them Christmas. So, Johnny gets their names. We contact them. We invite them to come on December 7th to this church. And this church is just filled. It comes in shifts, four different shifts. There will be over a thousand guests come through this building on that night. And we treat them like royalty. I mean, we do. How many of you have been involved in Adopt a Family? You've seen it with your own eyes. Isn't it amazing? I mean, it really is. It is an amazing night. And these kids, you you just got to see it in their eye and the smile on their face. they're, They're glowing because we're treating them better than they've ever been treated in their life. And at the end, we give them all these great gifts. But all along at different points, we're sharing the reason for the season. We're sharing with them the good news of the gospel. It is an amazing thing. And what blows me away, Stacy, is the money that you guys give to do this. Last year, listen, last year you guys gave $53,000 for adopt a family. I mean, that that is mind-boggling to me. And and every year Johnny and I have this conversation. Well, I I really don't know if they can do it this year. Economics are bad. A lot of people people retire. And then God does it through you. God does it through you. Every single week we are, we are feeding hungry people through our food bank. Five times a year we go downtown and we feed homeless people. The week of Christmas we'll do it with a big Christmas celebration. We'll not only feed them a great meal. We're going to give them sleeping bags and tents and coats and shoes and boots. That's what the church is supposed to be about. That's the kind of generosity that this church has. What are we doing? We're helping the poor. We're caring for the sick. We're doing the work of God all around the world. And that creates joy in our lives. And it brings the blessings of God. The more you give your life away, the more God blesses you. And the more we give as a church, the more God is going to bless us. God blesses a church that gives. And then number eight, the eighth DNA of the church is this. We must bring our friends to Jesus. That's the eighth thing that brings the blessings of God in my life and on the church. Verse 41, those who accepted his message, that's Peter's message, were baptized and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. They baptized 3,000 people in one day. They became a mega church the first day of the church. This church is only one day old, and it's already got 3,000 baptized members. That is amazing. I was talking to a guy not long ago, and he said he's against big churches. He says, I don't think Jesus would ever go to a mega church. Well, then Jesus wouldn't have gone to the church he started. Because it was a mega church the very first day. There were thousands of people there that first day. It wasn't a little church. It had 3,000 people on the very first day of the church. And the cool thing is, every day after that, they kept reaching more people. Every day, the Lord was adding to the church. Wow. I love verse 47. What were these believers doing? They were praising God. I think you'd praise God too if this was happening to you. They were praising God. And here's a neat little phrase, and having the favor of the people. Everybody was taking notice of these gods. Everybody was saying, wow, there's something different about that person's life. Something's happened to them. Praising God and having the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Jason kind of did this for you. Let me share the message paraphrase of verse 47. Verse 47 in the message says, The people liked what they saw. It's talking about the people of the world. They were taking notice of these Christians and they were liking what they saw. So every day their number grew as God added those who were saved. Note that phrase, they liked what they saw. And I want you to listen closely. I'm about finished, but listen to this. Every one of us in this room has a friend or a neighbor or a loved one that is lost, they're without Jesus, and if they died today, they would go to hell. And you don't want that to happen, do you? You love them too much for that. I love them, and I don't want them to go to hell. I want them to go to heaven. And more than that, God loves them. And God wants them to go to heaven. So the question is, how do I reach my friend or my loved one who doesn't know the Lord? Well, this verse tells us, it says, they liked what they saw. And so they listened. So you listen to this. When people like what they see, they will listen to what you say. Woo! That's good. When people like what they see, they will listen to what we say. But they're not going to listen to you if they don't like what they see. Before people trust Jesus, they've got to trust you. Before people want to know is the Bible credible, they want to know, are you credible? Are you real? Are you genuine? So how do we be real? You just be real, man. (laughs) That's it. I don't know how else to say it. You be the real deal. Has Jesus saved you? Has he cleansed you? Are you a believer? Are you going to heaven? Then just live it. Live the life He's called you to live. Whether you're in this building on Sunday or you're at a football game on Friday night. Whether you're hanging out with other Christians or you're hanging out with a bunch of sinners, you are the same. I told the first service I had a a couple the other day at this cowboy shoot. They they told me, they said, hey, if we ever come to Fort Smith, we want to come to your church. I said, well, that'd be great. You just come on. And then the lady said something real interesting, kind of made me scratch my head. She says, yeah, we're wondering if you're the same on Sunday at your church behind the pulpit that you are at these cowboy shoots. And I'm thinking, well, lady, I mean, yeah, I don't wear my hat. (laughs) But I'm the same. Not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a believer. Believer. And so I'm going to talk the same way in front of you as as I do with unsaved people. Because, Because I'm a follower of Jesus. So how do you win your unsaved friends? to the You be the real deal. So that they can take notice and say, you know, there is something different about that person. And then you just love them. Oh, that's important. You love them. Whatever you do, wherever you are, you just love people. You show them the love of Jesus. With people who don't know Jesus yet. With people who Jesus died for. Show that love to them. If people like what they see, they'll listen to what we say. And between now and the end of this year, I want us to reach out to our friends and family members and neighbors. And our my goal for you is that every one of you will bring a friend to the Lord Jesus Christ before this year ends. That every one of you We'll have one of your friends come to Jesus before 2015. And how's that going to happen? You love God and you love people. You love God and you love people. You invite them to church. You know, Angie shared a great idea with me. It's just, I'm throwing this out there. We've got, we got a bunch of pumpkins out here we need to get rid of, okay? So just try this on for an idea. I'll step over here when I tell you this because you think I'm going to turn into a salesman. Why, why don't you go out there right after church when we got our workers out there and you, just, you buy a pumpkin. And you take it to your neighbor, and you say, "Here, I bought a pumpkin for you to put on your front porch." I was just thinking about you. I got you a pumpkin. By the way, this pumpkin came from my church. We're raising, we're selling these pumpkins for for our church. And I, I just, I have a pumpkin I want to give to you. By the way, you want to come to church with me? They're going to say yes or no. But we've gotten rid of some pumpkins. And you've given a gift to your neighbor. At least you've talked to your neighbor. And you know what? You've invited them to church. You know what? They may not come the next Sunday. But you know what? You planted a seed. And whether it's pumpkins or whatever it is, you go talk their language, man. And invite them to church. Invite them to the Lord. Here's what God told this early church. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He says, you're going to take the message to your own city, to your own country, to your own state, and then to the entire world. I didn't make that up. That's what Jesus said. The reason why God blesses this church is because we are doing to the best of our ability what God has told us to do. We're taking the word to the world. We're sharing the good news with lost people. And because of that, God is blessing this place. God's blessing our church. And if you're involved in this, God is blessing your family. And God is blessing you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of any old dead church. The way we keep that from happening is by doing what God blesses. So, Heavenly Father, would you bless us today? There may be someone in this room who's never received Jesus as their Savior. Lord, I pray that they would come today and receive the gift of salvation. If there is a believer here today that uh, maybe they're struggling with one of these uh, eight things we talked about, Maybe, maybe they just need to come and pray and recommit their life to you or ask you for help in one of these areas. Lord, give them the freedom to come. And then, dear Lord, for the rest of us, may we come and ask for your blessing on our life, our families, and this church. Lord, if anybody wants to come and join this church, may they have the, uh, the freedom to come and, and make Kavanaugh Church their home church home for life. And I pray your blessing on them. Lord, fill this room with your presence. Direct us as we pray. And as we seek you in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask that you stand. It's about an hour.